Hey, GP, how's it going? I'm, it's going well. I'm doing really well, actually. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Happy Sunday. And thank you for sitting down with me on the Chillinoy podcast. Yeah, man, anytime. Cool. Well, GP, for folks that don't know you, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Grant Patterson. I am from Houston, Texas, originally. I actually just relocated out to Illinois about three, four months ago. I am a cannabis content creator full time. Um, I like to run. I like to read a lot. I like to write a lot. I run a website and blog and YouTube channels, TikTok, Instagram, so all the social media platforms. And then I outsource my work to other people as well, creating content for them as well. So I guess overall, full-time content creator. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, you mentioned your website and uh, your YouTube channel and stuff. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go ahead and uh, for folks that want to check you out, plug that. And of course, we'll stick it in the podcast description, folks. But yeah, go ahead and uh, plug everything. Like. Yeah, so the best place to find everything now, it's actually just been completely updated for 2022, is CannabisLibraryUS.com. That is the best place to find all my content from all the different platforms onto one because right. I consistently run a couple of YouTube channels, but the main one would be Cannabis Library, the Cannabis Library, and then Grant Patterson. I run those two channels like very consistently. So that's the best places to really find the content I make and then the cannabis library underscore on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, folks, that website and uh, social media handle will be in the podcast description. Um, GP, before I ask you about how you got started uh, in content creation and stuff, man, I just, when did you, you moved from Houston to Illinois about three months ago, you said? Yes. October. So three to four months, almost one or four months. What the heck's I'm making a joke. What the heck's going on there? Everybody's going from Illinois to Texas. Why'd you do the reverse? I mean, if you work in the cannabis industry, that reverse can't happen. You know, like this is (laughs) even though that the Illinois market obviously has its downfalls and has glaring issues, there is a market, you know, at least like talking about a market in Texas with there not being a market. It's like, yeah, it just couldn't work out for what I do, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Somebody on Twitter, we just shared something that I thought was hilarious in that same vein. Um, This is somebody else's tweet. Uh, I believe it was Chris Becker on Twitter. Uh, Not sure who he is, but he he shared it, and I thought this was funny. He said, overheard at the dispensary, bud tender, sir, can you put a mask on, please? The the guy's like, sure, sorry, I'm from Texas. We don't have all these regulations down there. We have freedom in Texas. Bud tender's like, well, isn't weed like, a felony in texas <laughs> i just thought that was funny i know that because it is, it's crazy like that masks, yeah i was i was scared to even share it though because i i just thought it was funny but sometimes you know you mention masks and people get it's a touchy subject right so. i completely understand it i but i'm i'll tell you i moved up here and it is actually like night and day when it comes to that type of stuff i was so confused when people were asking me to put them on like when i first <laughs> yeah. moved here to be honest because it's been like almost a year since that's been a policy in Texas, you know? So it was literally like out of my mindset that that was still going on to tell you, to to give you some perspective of like how people view it, like all over the country. It's wild. Yeah, no, I mean, just not even all over the country. I mean, I'm from Southern Illinois and uh, Uh frankly, they don't do that down here. (laughs) Are they enforcing 
Uh, I you, yeah, I mean, some people like depending on the location you go to, like if it's a corporate location, there will be a sign. But if but yeah, that's as far as they go. Enforcement right. is not really a thing. That's um, wild. Then so it's in the same state. Completely yeah. Different culture. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then as soon as you start getting up into Chicago, people like uh, it gets a little bit more, you know, it's it is enforced. Um, right. So. I'm just glad that in Chicago, you don't see a lot of like, look, I'm whatever. I'll do whatever the, the man, you know, whatever allows me to buy my fucking milk, but exactly. uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I just hate in like uh, cities like San Francisco and stuff, you see people wearing them outside and it's just like, man, I ain't wearing that shit outside. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing it outside. I, I just can't. started to, because it was negative five a couple of days well, ago. And I was like, I Let will me say put that on I will wear them outside <laughs> when it's cold out. That's a great point. That is a great point. Uh, I wear them outside time. all the time. But yeah. yeah, I ain't gonna wear them outside like when it's hot out and I'm just chilling. Definitely not. The only thing that's gonna be over my mouth is a joint. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> for sure. For sure. Anyways, though. Anyways, um, so yeah, how I digress just because the Texas thing threw me for right. a loop, but it totally makes yeah. sense. Um, when I presume like when did you start actually producing content? Are you past the statute of limitations? Can you answer that question yet? I didn't know if you made okay. content in Texas or. Oh, no. So that was actually we can get into the, some of the content I made in Texas in a little bit. Sure. Um, because like that is the important part of like kind of my content basis or whatever. But I started making content probably when I was in college about five years ago now. And okay. it wasn't in the cannabis space, but content creation as a whole is all the same thing and has a lot of the same fundamentals depending on what niche or not depending on regardless of what niche you're kind of talking about you know sure. so with that being said i my content just evolved to being more cannabis centric and trying to get into the advertising marketing all that lane of the cannabis market now that it's starting to expand because five years ago when i was starting it there wasn't even it wasn't thought about unless you were in california denver like Oregon, Washington, you know, but it wasn't in 30 to 40 states now how we're talking about it now. And so with that being said, I just knew that in college, I realized content was something that was going to allow me to work from home and not have to go talk to anybody every day. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was my, that was my goal was to be able to work from my home and not have to go do anything not not go do anything else I still work very hard sure. but at the same time not have to go work a job because my professors were like this will set you up for this job I was like well I don't want to do that so I would just skip class and start creating content it was how I really got into content because college gave me the time to kind of grow as myself and realize like my voice and how I want to like speak and the type of messages I want to send and things like that so I would say the content evolved then. So then we can get into cannabis content, I guess, starting in Texas in 2019. And the, the way that happened was the hemp farm bill, you know, that, that federally got passed around that time. It was mm -hmm. earlier in that year. I think it was the middle of 2019 that got passed. And with that, dude, CBD got on the shelves in Texas. Like that was a huge thing. <laughs> you know like that was something people were like what is this you know people yeah. like any pictures of weed in texas were like seen as taboo for the longest much less now at every single gas station there's joints 
<laughs> right. You know, and, and of course, we know that CBD isn't what people thought it was or think it is or whatever. But at the same time, it is a cannabis product. You know, mm-hmm. it is uh, like a cannabis product. So with that being said, I worked at the CBD shop. I got a job at a CBD shop in San Antonio, Texas in 2019. And the CBD that he had was like terrible. This was like early CBD. And yeah. I know a lot of people will be like, all oh, CBD is trash, but this is not the case. Like, it's just not for certain people, but there is differing quality in CBD products. Definitely. No doubt. Absolutely. And so with that being said, I was like, all right, so I want to make content. CBD is what's available to me. People are buying CBD and obviously what turned into Delta 8 and all the new hemp drive cannabinoids. But at the time with it just being CBD, um, the guy I worked with, somebody I worked with at the shop, actually, his name was Sergio. And we worked together and just like looking at all the different CBD strains around us, you know, at the different shops and just saying like, nah, some of these people's CBD is much better than the shop we work in. So that means like on a national scale, that means there has to be different quality. So Absolutely. we just started trying out the different CBD strains and probably had to buy CBD for about two months until it was just sent to us after that and stuff like that from companies. But um, it was just like two months of just buying CBD, making content. And then I started to like the video making process. I, I've all, I mean, I've always been like into that, but it's really the business side of it more like I do enjoy making content don't get me wrong but I enjoy building a business around it much more than I enjoy just making the content but Mm -hmm. um so that's how I started was just with the CBD doing CBD and then getting into Delta 8 as those grew and stuff and just doing more and more content about that and still to this day I do a lot of that because there's at least from like on, on one side the marketing advertising lane and stuff like that it can be sold online. And so it has a very good connection with content because people can buy it online, have it shipped to their home and stuff like that. And so it's very, very conducive to like making content about like hemp drive products and stuff. And there's a huge market for it for real, like all over the country for all the Delta eight CBN CBG, like all those type of products, people want to know about all that stuff. And so I've just grown into making content about that. And then that leads me to move into Chicago that opens me up to be able to make content now about like dispensary products and the brands as few as they are, like there's not too many, but the brands that are out here in Illinois and stuff like that, and be able to really open up um, now to where I can do all the hemp drive cannabinoids and do dispensary products as well as I can afford them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the key word there. It's fucking expensive. It's expensive out there. Um, well, that's awesome, man. That's, that's a really, really unique story of, uh, I don't know that I just didn't, ex- I didn't expect that to be the answer. Like you, you started with cannabis <laughs> in Texas, but it was, it was hemp, you know? So that was, that's exactly. a cool trajectory. Um, and yeah, I'll spark one to that too. I just heard your life. So. <laughs> oh yeah. It's cause it's really just at the time or at the same time, I know, there's a lot of people out there who, who understand that hemp and cannabis are two different markets. But the fundamental thing that I realized back then was that the marketing is the exact same. So for some reason, people think like on Instagram, there's a differentiation between hemp and weed. 
or like whatever they think, you know, know that Nug still looks the same on Instagram. Instagram still bans a hemp channel or a hemp page just as fast as they'll ban a weed or dad page or something like that, if that makes sense. So I was like, as long as I understand the nuances of being able to market this hemp and stuff like that, and if I can sell hemp, which doesn't sell itself, if I can get into a position to where I can market and advertise on the cannabis side, which obviously just sells itself, you know, like weed sells itself. It's not like, like CBD stuff. Like you have to actually have sales tactics to sell those things. Sure. But when it comes to the weed side, if you open the door, people are going to fill it up. You know, like people, the dispensary this year, $80 eighths, people are still buying them, you know, oh, so yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So with that being said, I feel like I took the hard route, honestly, in a lot of ways, trying to do it the way I was doing it in Texas. And I'm happy I did because it it really made me get more creative with how I make content because making cannabis content in Texas just like isn't easy overall. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I mean, not only is there, like you said, slim pickings as far as you can, you're only limited to hemp, um, but you also kind of got to watch your back at the same time because like it's like barely legal with that, you know, like, really the and only they change thing. the laws constantly <laughs> yeah that's just it that's just it so um the the laws are constantly changing so you might wake up the next day and all of a sudden the videos you produced or whatever <laughs> like might depict right. quote-unquote illegal activity right so it, right right exactly it's nuts it's nuts um how did you get into doing your podcast i'm just kind of curious <laughs> yeah no that's a good question um I've always same kind of same as you. I've always liked mm-hmm. creating content. Um, I've never really sat down and done it for myself or for anybody else. And so I just right. just kind of was like, I, I knew I, I liked podcasting and I had done it with some friends and stuff mm-hmm. in the past. And I just continued to think, especially as adult use legalization approached in 2020, um, that you know I should start a podcast and that this is like the beginning of the legal industry, you know, and start a podcast about it while it's small, maybe talk about how it blooms. And that was kind of the early idea. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just bought a mic, a computer and just started doing the Illinois podcast. And I don't know if I directly answered your question. Cause it's not, no, like but there was yeah, like a, a goal I understand. <laughs> just, just, uh, yeah. Just enjoyed talking about how long have you been running it now? I think a little bit over a year now. Like I said, we started nice. around 2019, 2020, I think. So yeah, it's because uh, I remember, I think the first episode we did, we did like a giveaway with Cresco. They sent us a bunch of a bunch of things and like it, we did something called the Safer at Home giveaway. And that makes me think that it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, so maybe mm-hmm. 2020, maybe not 2019. Cause I, I think you. all that stuff really started, you know, at the beginning of 2020. So, right. So That's yeah. Separate, yeah. So. yeah. But yeah, anyways. Um, so the cannabis library, like what, what kind of content, what, what, what's like the latest stuff you've been releasing? What, what can people look forward to checking out? So every morning actually at 9 AM central time, I do like a morning little talk show. And it's, yep. it's pretty simple. I just go on there. Sometimes it's something as simple as a session and something just positive. But a lot of times I'll just introduce some weed news. If, if I find something interesting, I'll 
just talk about it from my personal perspective. I mean, that, that's all it could be just from my personal perspective yeah. and just give my input on how I see this Canada's market evolving and stuff. So I do that Monday through Friday. And then most days I also come out with reviews. And so sometimes it's the hemp derived products still. Sometimes it's products from out here in Chicago. Uh, but I also do like kind of the, I guess, it's such a negative word, I feel like, but the paraphernalia type product. So I do a lot of paper, paper reviews as well. I do tech reviews like air risers, stuff like that. Um, cones, all different types of primarily like just different cannabis product reviews and just talking point videos. That's pretty much what I've developed into doing at this point. You should rebrand paraphernalia into cannabis utensils. Uh, cannabis utensils. Sounds- and you- that sounds it so needs much one word though. It oh, needs yeah, one true. word though. True enough. I like enough. I like the rebrand, but it just yeah, I agree because there is I don't know what that word would, like. There is no current word other than paraphernalia, is there? And that's I don't, not that I know of. I need to get us. I need to yeah. get a thesaurus out and start looking For sure. at paraphernalia. You know, figure out some sort. Like, of I can't similar. keep saying that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It just sounds so. It sounds dirty. illegal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sounds naughty. <laughs> like we're doing so, crack or something. Exactly. I, I'm picturing this pipe that's like musty looking and like sure. kind of yellowish, you know, like off of Breaking Bad. <laughs> Those full bulb ones. You go to the smoke shop and you see them on the bottom shelf. Yeah. And yeah. Like, what the, the fuck that, is that? And it has like a little hole it? in the top. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what I've is seen that? A, like only math lo- can be done at this. My local smoke shop literally has a sign next to a pipe like that and says, like, don't call this a crack pipe. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's what like, it is. It's like that's what it is. <laughs> so, can I have that pipe? <laughs> Anyways, though. Um, well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, ha- you know, you talked about news and you talked about the fact that you sample product so that you can go many ways with this question, but like mm-hmm. Um, how do you think the cannabis industry in Illinois is is going? How is it? It's not going well. It's probably like one of the, in my opinion, from the position I've seen, the only state that's done a worse job in legalization as of like recent would be like how Louisiana just did it. But it's not going too good because of the way they have it set up, in, in my opinion. And, and I think a lot of the, the issues and all that stuff and their, their mask get all under this social justice brim, but there's no social justice being happened. Like that's happening on one hand and two, like social justice is like free market and allowing people into the market with lower prices and lower barrier to entry is what social justice is to me. It's not making it impossible and then letting a few people in with help, <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah, because I've been to Oklahoma and there are plenty of black and brown and women and all types of different people that have shops because everybody can. And Oklahoma didn't have to help those people. People have enough money to open up businesses unless you make them need millions, you know, which doesn't even make sense. So I, I think it's not going well personally, but like I said, it's, I guess that's a central theme on my channel that obviously we know legalization is happening, but it's not going to be just good enough. Like just saying like weed's legal. And a lot of people will take that, but from a business standpoint and then future 
from a consumer standpoint, it's bad to set a precedent in the way that, in my opinion, that Chicago runs or Illinois runs the cannabis market. Yeah. I mean, basically what you're saying is getting and maintaining a license is a separate skill from just successfully running a cannabis company. And that's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, it's you- not even a skill because a skill means that people have on equal playing fields here. It's not that like it's, it's corruption, you know, cause a skill, a skill mean, you know what I'm saying? Like a skill yeah. mean, cause a skill in running a business means you're able to have a business survive in a quote unquote American free market. And so if that's a skill, but bribing your way to getting licenses is just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you actually, you made, you just, that's a brilliant point. And Mike Malcolm, actually, I, I accidentally said the same thing and Mike Malcolm, he goes, yeah, but that's not a skill. It's not like they're good at it. They just got enough money. So you, right. you, you just made a great point. So thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. <laughs> for sure. for Cause, sure. cause <laughs> go ahead. It's it's sad, dude, to see how some of it's doing. Have you heard about what's happening in Louisiana? Um, let me put it this way. I heard that Louisiana, especially when I was there a few years ago, because I was looking for some weed and it wasn't hard to find, but I was looking right. for some like legal weed. I wanted to go to the dispensary mm-hmm. because I read that they were legal. But then I read that they don't sell any fucking smokable products and that they didn't uh, allow reciprocity. Um, but but I don't know what's going on nowadays. Te- tell me, man, because it's been a while. So, like I said, that was a few years ago. They started selling flour nine days ago. So starting this year, they could start selling flour. Pew, 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 um, pew. But there's two <laughs> flour producers and they're both state owned, which is mm-hmm. like very, very scary in my opinion. So LSU and Southern University are the only two licensed growers of weed in the state of Louisiana. And there's... <laughs> And there's nine, I think there's nine operating dispensaries that will be able to sell weed for the state of Louisiana, you know? So it's like, here's, that's why I say like the top of the article says weed's legal in Louisiana. Yes, that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? And then you get down to it and it's like the two people that can grow it are are the state organizations. Yeah. That's just, that's crazy to me. And that's even worse than Illinois because at least Illinois has, I guess, some type of businesses that they allow. They go on the opposite side. Like they only allow big business in. So, yeah, I think we have 17 or 18 licensed cultivators and 21 actual like cultivation centers. So I think, you know, some of the cultivators have multiple cultivation centers. Um, but I just yeah, looked that it up. There's 110 to, dispensaries. Yeah, 110 dispensaries. Um, uh, and I think, you know, as soon as those licenses that are being held up right now are released, the, there'd be something like 200, I think, at that point. Um, so, but there are, I guess I said that there's 17 licensed cultivators. Technically, it's something like 50. What is, what is 40 plus 17? I'm high. I can't do mental 57. Math. 57. Yeah. Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, 50, I guess the number would be like 57 because technically speaking, 40 craft cultivation licenses have been, um, released. Uh, but with that said, as you may have heard, the next 60 are being held up in court along with those new dispensary licenses. So for the foreseeable future, we're not going to see, um, any more numbers added, but that shit about Louisiana is crazy. Now, is it medical cannabis only? Yeah, it? this is still medical there. Still okay. medical there. 
But and I'm seeing seeing here, I pulled it up because I was reading about this the other day also. Montana, it says currently has just over 400 registered medical marijuana dispensaries. So like Montana is doing it better than us. <laughs> Montana has what four times the amount of registered dispensaries with one. I can't even imagine how many of the amount of people in the state versus the state of Illinois. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how Illinois is choosing to do it under the mask of social justice. And it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. And I'm thinking out loud, feel free to ask this question. I'm just not, yeah. I'm just saying that I'm not necessarily uh, expecting you to know the answer. I'm just thinking okay. out loud. Um, what, like you think about like, the acceptance in Illinois. And I feel like there was a, like a lot of uh, pushback from Southern Illinois. I don't know if you saw like the beginnings when we were talking about adult use legalization, there was a, a lot of sky is falling arguments. What, like I'm thinking about Southern Illinois and I'm thinking about Oklahoma and it's like, what the hell did Oklahoma do to get everybody to accept that? Like this, this should just be a normal thing. Like there's still so much like pushback from Southern Illinois. And you'd think that the same thing would be true of Oklahoma but maybe I don't mm-hmm. understand the metrics of Oklahoma. Like, yeah, I don't know. So you know what I'm, it's you a different, what I'm it's asking? It's a different dynamic. It's a different dynamic for sure. So I, I 100% understand what you're asking. And so I was watching a video the other day. Chicago is the third biggest. Chicago as a city is the third biggest, like, metropolitan economy in America, you know? Right. right. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, if we looked at that list, would be out of the top 30, you know, probably out of the top 25 for sure. And so Oklahoma, dude, they'll pay you like $10,000 to put towards a house if you move to Tulsa and stuff. Like there are a lot of incentives that they're building in to try to boost population and boost their economy. Chicago's more like Texas in the sense that, or Illinois is more like Texas in the sense that we have enough money. Like people are like, we have enough good jobs here. We have this. Oklahoma is more in the sense like we need opportunity. And like this opens up. Now we have people moving here from California to grow, people moving here to open up dispensaries. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they really want that population boost. And it doesn't seem that, at least from if you look at how the moves are made, that Illinois is looking at the boost in cannabis like business as a better thing than the negative moral implications that some people might think. Does that make sense? That does, man. I think you. I think you're spot on. Honestly, I really think yeah, you're spot so. On. Like when we went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, like people were like, please come out here. Like they're trying to build up the city. Oklahoma City is like really nice and really modern now, but like nobody's there, so they're really trying to get people there. Oklahoma, uh, sorry, Chicago and Illinois is full of people, at least some of the big cities. Yeah. So how do you, how do you think I'm going to kind of cut to the chase, man? How do you think we move forward with this? How do we, um, you know, I know simply most people just say, get involved, but like, Mm -hmm. what, like, how do we change? How do we fix this? Who's we, the government or us is like, (laughs) good question. Good question. I'd say the, I'd say the people. And the only reason Mm -hmm. I'm saying the people is because I've recently set focus on like you know, the commercialization of cannabis and all the licenses and and the legal businesses coming here, that's great. But I always like when we talk about social equity, so social justice and righting the wrongs of the war on drugs, Mm -hmm. I've been kind of focusing now on let's, let's end all policies that resemble the war on drugs. Because for example, 
possession limits are a thing in Illinois. Like if just a normal adult gets caught with more than 30 grams of cannabis, boom, you can get in really big trouble. If you're cultivating cannabis and you don't have a medical cannabis card in Illinois, boom, you can get in trouble. Even if you have that card, if you grow one more plant than you're supposed to, if you grow six plants instead of five, technically speaking, yeah, technically speaking, (laughs) that's grounds for a felony. And it's just like, it's so crazy to me that, uh, that, you know, we're talking about righting the wrongs of the war on drugs, but really what all we've done, like in doing this is made a small number of people allow, we allow them to smell, (laughs) smell, sell limited amounts of cannabis. You know, that's basically all that's changed. Now you can go to a state ordained place and buy a small amount of cannabis from the state ordained people. But don't, you know, don't, don't get caught on your way home because technically the container is not odor-proof, so you can get in trouble for that. Don't use it until you get home because you can get in trouble for that. And it's just like all these things make me yeah. think, is cannabis legal? <laughs> right? So, so I guess back to your question, yeah, how can we change, how can we, the people, change this so that like cannabis is actually legal, you know? I, I think it's through like the media that you do and the stuff that I do and just normalization. I think it's it, making it into a sense of normalcy. So Illinois hasn't reached that point yet. You go to other places, yeah. Colorado or something like that, but those people aren't making a big deal about weed like because they've right. culturally accepted it long before it was even um, accepted like on a legality standpoint. Like people in Colorado, it, it's different. But then you look yeah. at a place like Colorado, they don't have different races of people. And when you're in a place that doesn't have different races of people, that's a whole different demographic also, because laws are created in Illinois and Chicago specifically to still separate people. So with that being said, they're not going to, and I'm sorry if I'm going to, I'm not going to go too much into this point, but okay. what I am saying is the demographic is a completely different thing to where in, in a place like Colorado, they're like, all right, everybody can join or everybody looks the same, you know? Right. When you're in a, when you're in a place like Illinois, when you're saying everybody can join, can everybody join? Like, that's really the question that we're asking. So I, I think that with the cards being stacked against people and the cards are now being stacked against like everybody, but a few people, I think people have to find their way into the market in unorthodox ways. If I'm being honest, like I think people are going and not necessarily in illegal ways, but in the ways of the marketing and the ways of the real estate and the ways of those type of things until those laws change and invest in normalizing weed as much as possible. until one day, there's going to be a case where somebody is going to get pulled over and the smell is going to leak out a little bit and she's going to be 65 and she's going to get put in jail or something like that. And it'll be enough of a case that somebody will care about where these laws will be changed like that. Um, if somebody's trying to get into the business and they don't like how the laws are set up here and they're like, I really want to get into the cannabis space, but there's no way that Illinois will let me in anytime soon, I would suggest moving. If I'm being honest, I would suggest looking at what market in the U.S., because now we have 42 different markets. What market fits you best? Where can you live? Where can you enjoy your family? And where can you grow and sell your weed? 
And you adjust your life based off of that if you actually want to be in the cannabis market. Because I, I can tell you, like, if the Chicago market isn't a good place to market because of the way the MSOs don't have to even advertise because there's no options, I'm going to move. You know, I'm going to find another state and, and after a year and a couple of years to where, no, this is actually a place where I can conduct business and be able to be profitable and be able to get the message across that I want to get across. So uh, that's probably a very long winded answer for what you wanted, but. No, nah, man, that's, that was uh, to the point, you know what I mean? I, and yeah. for some people, it might even be like, I, I already know a few people that have actually had to live out that advice. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to name them any specifically, but if people listen to yeah. our podcast just a few episodes ago, an individual said exactly that. They said, look, in Illinois, I figured out it's it's not working. So it's not that I'm giving up on Illinois. It's just that I realize that it's going to take time. And so in the right. meantime, I'm going to go somewhere where I can get in the business. Right. right. And uh, that's some it's like going to Nebraska and you want to be an actor. Like it's not a good idea. <laughs> Seriously, that's you know what I'm saying? No, it's like oh, there's in America or in the world. If you want to do something, you want to do comedy, you have to go to Chicago, you have to go to LA, you have to go to New York. Like there's not, there's not always a whole bunch of options. So the good thing about the cannabis market, if we turn this on a positive head, is that the federal government's not going to figure that out for a long time. So people have options now. You, like I said, you have 42 options for what state to live in to decide what's best for you right now and that you're going to continue to increase you know and you have to keep being fluid because that's what business is so it's for somebody who's on the business end of it that really wants to yeah they're not going to have a a choice if they want to do a certain market you know like if they want to do a certain sorry niche yeah they want to grow or open a dispensary stuff like that because clearly illinois does not care it's just not the place for it yeah like you say not currently at least your uh, example about ask uh, acting and going to Nebraska was hilarious and and perfect. So, so yeah, I mean, a parting thought, like you said, for folks that like, you know, like you said, you can try to find your niche, but you definitely don't want to try like just with the way Illinois law stands. Like some people I've seen, they're just like, fuck it. You're not going to give me a license. I'm going to sell weed anyway. And I'm like, well, let me just tell you folks like, you know, do you or whatever, but please tread carefully because it's not a business offense when you get caught, you know, like if you get caught selling liquor and you don't have a liquor license, it's a, it's a business offense to, right. to a certain extent. There's a, there's a point I'm sure where it can become criminal. As long as but, it's not underage, like you could actually like be fine. They just get like fines and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But with cannabis, it's a criminal offense still because of course, right? <laughs> of right. course. Right. So I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting distinction that I wanted to point out really quick and kind of just, warn our listeners if, if you're doing that tread carefully we talked to a For sure. attorney about it and that's kind of how he described it like re- in reality it should be a business offense you know like hey you're you're operating a can- cannabis business without a license it should just yeah. be a business offense but that would be way but too all, easy right somebody will go to jail and have to pay the legal fees and that's how i think that's how all those laws will be figured out yeah if it, it, it sucks but i think somebody's gonna have to be arrested because they're going to continue to arrest people because like you said there's these little pitfalls to where you can still be arrested yeah but somebody's going to have the lawyer money to prove no this is a business offense they're going to have to be the skate like they're going to have to be that sacrificial lamb at some point 
to get it. Cause that's how weed legalizations happened. You know, like kids had to like sue to get this CBD so they could stop having seizures. Yeah. You know? And so like, that's, that's how it's happened every single time. So it, that's what we have to believe will continue to be the case. Well said, man. Well said, like uh, to, to your point, um, a new, so there was a arrest on December 3rd, 2020, where an Illinois state trooper stopped a motor vehicle for speeding on interstate 88 in rural Whiteside County in Illinois. According to the Whiteside County court order, trooper Wagand stopped a, she- a gray Chevy Impala driven by Kayla Cervantes, uh, riding as somebody riding as passenger. I don't want to mention any more names. Um, The point is uh, the trooper requested and received identification during uh, a point which he said he smelled raw cannabis, which prompted him to search the vehicle, even though the driver showed them a medical card. uh, The driver was arrested for misdemeanor possession of 2.6 grams of cannabis, which a lot of people wonder like why 2.6 grams, like for anybody that's, that's, that's well within their possession limit, but it was, it was the uh, transportation law, like we're talking about. And, and to your point, um, the defense attorney, uh, James Murtis um, filed a motion to suppress the evidence saying that cannabis odor could not be used as a basis for police to search vehicles after the recent decriminalization of cannabis and the judge ruled in favor of that. And so the state still has, uh, the state of Illinois still has the right to appeal the court's decision, in which case the defense attorney said they will continue to defend uh, their, their client's rights should the issue enter a higher level of the judicial system. Um, but like you say, it's things like this that change the law. Because, you know, I complain about this odor proof con- uh, thing all the time. But like you said, what it takes is, unfortunately, somebody getting arrested, taking it to court and having it overturned. Yeah. It's going to have to be somebody the public cares about or somebody that has enough money to defend themselves against the state. And it, yeah. that's, that's like the, the United States way. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad that it has to be that way. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I feel like the burden of proof. And of course I can say, I feel all day long. I have a lot of feelings, right? Um, <laughs> I, I feel like the burden of proof should be on the state. Like, but, you know, uh, it's crazy how the burden of proof is on the person, even though they were like well within the law, you know what I mean? And well within yeah. reason, it sounds like so. But I still think like people have to take advantage of right now with the cannabis market. And I say that because we still don't know what federal legalization looks like. Yeah. Or federal medical legalization, like FDA regulation, anything like that. We have no idea what that world could resemble. We have no idea what the prices of those that we could look like. We have no idea who could have control of it. Cause then we're talking about Amazon and those type of companies getting to the cannabis market to where we don't, we just don't know where that could go. So right. if somebody wants to make money in the cannabis market, I'm like, I would talk to like business owners or something like that. I would really highly encourage them to take advantage of what they can now. And like in the same way that I told you the story, how I got in the CBD shop in Texas and I was making like nine 50 an hour, Texas minimum wage is still like federal. So it's like seven 25, but I was making like nine 50 an hour, you know, but that was just my way into the cannabis market. So I always tell somebody like, if you want to get into it, find a way in, keep meeting people, keep expanding. And like, eventually you'll kind of find where 
you can position yourself a, a role that you want to do in there, you know, or in the, in the market itself. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You've man, uh, I am going to need to definitely have you on the show again. Cause, uh, it's been, it's been great speaking with you. Like you, you, yeah. the freaking point you let off with man is something that we try to talk about. Um, and, and it's a topic we discuss all the time, like open market versus limited market and the, the idea of giving people a chance, you know, like yeah. you just hit it on the head, you came out swinging, dude. So <laughs> I think about this a lot and my website is like centered around these points for real to really because my last point, I guess I would say if somebody is like, I want to be in the market or they, how, how we can change it, I guess is what we said earlier. Yeah. Get in, just get into the business somehow. Like have your voice has to be like heard in some type of facet. And so they're now marketing firms. They're now, um, social media marketing firms, all this other type of stuff. There are the grow operations, all that stuff to where you can make your little bit of change at that level. If you can make the change that you want to see happen, but you just come to find your way in and it might not be where you were born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. that's well, well, very well said. Well, um, I guess to, uh, to close, um, what do you think the future of can I know you were just saying that we don't know, we don't know, but if you had to take a guess, um, I've actually given a lot of thought to this and I think it's, I think it's a New York driven cannabis market. I think New York will be the biggest market in cannabis in like five years really? and, and it'll be a complete shift to New York. Yeah, for sure. Damn. I think so. And I say that what because, makes you think that? Yeah. Um, New York has as much money as California, but I think New York is going to learn from California's issues because California's markets like being destroyed currently, you know, like their prices are too high. The black market runs everything. Mm -hmm. Um, New York, since they're the 40, they're going to be like the 43rd state to legalize it and like the 18th recreational state, 19th recreational state or something like that. Yeah. They've gotten to learn from 18 states before them. Um, California is that sacrificial lamb that had to be sacrificed to get wheat legal and normalized. But the reason that they've been able to sustain this long is off like celebrity power, stuff like that, you know? Right. In my opinion, New York has the same celebrity power and then they'll have a better market as well. Um, so I, I think it'll take a couple of years for their weed quality to get to where other states are in California and stuff like that. But I think if we're talking on like a media standpoint, the biggest brands, um, the brands that are really taking dominating power, people like Gary Vee, people like that, I think New York is going to be Jay-Z. I think that that's going to be like the center, like the center of weed for real, at least on an economical standpoint. California will always have its market or whatever, but New York, I think, is going to take that over personally. Okay. But that's just how I see it. <laughs> That sounds cool as hell, dude. Give me a reason to visit New York. So, right. Um, <laughs> um, well, this is a question that I don't know if you talk about, uh, if you discuss, but mm -hmm. um, what do you think about like the future of drug policy in this country? What do you think that looks like? Future of drug policy, I, I see it continuing to open. Um, I, I've actually I spoke to a doctor. Uh, my girlfriend actually, yeah, she's related to a doctor, and they're doing research in Texas. And they're getting funding for research in Texas with mushrooms and psilocybin and PTSD and stuff like that. And so if Texas is getting open to it, 
the nation is starting to open itself up to psilocybin, which I'm a huge proponent of, or like a huge fan of, I guess you could say, but yeah. Um, I, I think the drug policy will open up to what it, it, it has to be because at this breaking point that we've seen clearly like medical drugs from a hospital aren't the answer, like overprescribing that clearly just like killed a generation of people almost, you know? Yeah. And so, and there's no hiding that they used to be able to hide that now it's, it's apparent. And, and so I think the drugs that, or the, the word drugs will change too, but I think the substances, I guess, that are still helpful for people will stay around. And I think the substances that were destructive and the meths and those type of things hopefully will phase out in the future. But all that stuff is based off of economics, you know? So if the U.S. decides to start helping the people at the, the back of the bus, then the drug use will go down. As long as they keep them away, the drug use will stay like as it is in my, in, from my side, you know? But yeah. I think in terms of, legality it'll start to open up because there's starting to be too many people that people care about that are going to prison i'll put it like that for like stupid drug related charges yeah when they're not hurt hurting anybody at all right right except maybe themselves depending on what the drug is except maybe themselves and that's the thing like you know yeah when we talk about like liberty and I, i always love to quote uh loosely quote randy marsh from south park like i'm sorry i thought this was america which is an (laughs) ironic comment because america doesn't have like you know especially with the drug war doesn't have like the most brightest history but i like the uh, idea right right? this is supposed to be a free country right and your liberty should extend up until the point that it infringes on somebody else's liberty that's yeah you know what i mean Uh, if you're not in other words if you're not hurting anybody else then like do you you know that's that's how I it just sucks it. that there's a lot of people out there that are going to say like seeing them hurts me <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know what i'm saying so that when we get yeah. that's what america is to where like yeah we have liberty um as much as you're not infringing on somebody else but then we have to qualify what infringing means you know because mm-hmm. some people just the presence of whatever is infringing upon them you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. kind of just defining what that means to be like, all right, this is what infringing is. And so people can kind of change their position and be like, oh, that's what <laughs> infringing is. You know, it's not just them being around me. So, yeah. Well, GP, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to have you back on the show. I want to, right. I didn't have any topics prepared for today. There's also not a lot going on in Illinois cannabis news, but I didn't realize you knew so much about just like the the nation so like i want to do a little bit more research on what what would be going on at the time and i want to invite you back on and maybe we'll do a little round table of like you know what's going on in cannabis in the world and in illinois specifically and maybe just in drug policy because you sound really knowledgeable on that and i think a lot of people are going to enjoy this episode so um yeah i'm prematurely inviting you back on to another episode (laughs) i appreciate it now i'm definitely open to it i enjoy i enjoy doing this yeah cool well folks uh i hope that you found this podcast uh educational informative entertaining gp please remind uh, the folks where they can find you online so if you type in cannabis library or the cannabis library anywhere on google or any social media um what pops up should be my channel or my platform really 
and in cannabislibraryus.com. Awesome. Yep, folks, we'll have that link in the podcast description, and we will see you next time on the Chillinoy Podcast. See you guys.